Welcome to this week's Henchmen of Comics. I'm Alex Eschback. And I'm already cracking jokes uh, before we even turn this thing on. It's a very long name. Yeah, it's a, it's a new one. I've got it changed legally already. What do you think about it? Uh, I'm more interested in like, the process of how, how you legally change your name. Don't worry about it. It's an office. It's pretty boring. Um, so today we're going to get into uh, Doom Patrol, which actually wasn't available on the Marvel app. So instead <laughs> I watched two things. I watched Paw Patrol, uh, which I've got a lot of insight on. And I also watched Poon Patrol, which was the well, porn parody. I will say Paw Patrol is just a poor man's puppy dog palace. So you've already lost there. Ah, oh, shit. And I will say that for some reason when making notes, my phone autocorrected Doom Patrol to Room Patrol, which sounds like it's a show on House Hunters. Oh, um, my God. So I hope that's just on like House a... Hunters, on, on HGTV. House Hunters is not its own network yet. <laughs> it should be. That sounds like a uh, cop... Uh, yeah, like a procedural show for, uh, for that network for Snoopy moms going through their kids' rooms whenever they're uh, out of school to find Ooh. drugs and illicit porno mags. as all kids still have these days? Alex, you're giving away our best ideas. You need <laughs> to be quiet right now. All that's copyright, Alex and Matt. Yep, two thousand forever. <laughs> Ooh, two thousand and late. We're talking about the DC Universe show Doom Patrol. Uh, yeah, you're gosh darn right we are. Uh, what is your experience with Doom Patrol before we get into uh, this? I've read all of Grant Morrison's run on Doom Patrol. Uh, I didn't read the pre-Grant Morrison stuff, uh, and I haven't read uh, the new Doom Patrol series uh, because it's written by one of my arch enemies. Uh, yes, who we're going to be talking about in a couple weeks, so deal with it, nerd. Um, so I have the experience with Grant Morrison as well. And I actually and Doom Patrol is also featured too. Real quick, I know we both read it in Jeff Johns Justice League New New Fifty Two run too. Yeah, it is, and yeah. it was uh, okay in that. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, I've seen Doom Patrol through other runs throughout history, but just not their newest run. Yep, uh, I actually am much more wise, kind, and beautiful than Alex, and gave Gerard Way's uh, Doom Patrol a shot, and I love it. It's fantastic. Pretty sure you just be pretentious. The name is pronounced Jared. <laughs> I think it's like Gerard, like Gerard Butler. No, it's Jared Way. <laughs> Jared Way. Uh, Jared from Subway? Yes. No, wait. <laughs> I'm not going to put that on that, man. <laughs> Anyways, we'll talk more about that in two weeks' time. Um, but I'll just say right off the bat, I, I was really looking forward to Doom Patrol. I really enjoy Titans, and I was hoping uh, Doom Patrol would still have its own voice uh, and not be as ultraviolet and angsty as Titans, even though I thought it worked for that show. I was hoping that it's stayed more true true to the zaniness uh and absurdity of the comics and i think the show definitely did that right from the very beginning from the opening moment yeah with uh alan tudyk as uh my favorite mr nobody yeah and yeah it opens with him doing voiceover narration basically complaining about another superhero show which i thought was great yeah um, it's fantastic uh and he even goes on to say like uh critics what do they know they're gonna hate this show yeah uh, it's pretty uh, great Fan fucking tastic. Uh, it's basically like a brief, like origin story of how he got his powers in the way back. I had one of my favorite lines too of the entire episode. Whenever he says, and this story begins like any good story does with the Nazi or a, a cobbler. Yeah. <laughs> that that line killed me. I was like, I think now that we're off, we're onto something great. Well, you also know that you're off to a good start when Alan Tudyk is the first thing that you see. Like, absolutely brilliant. Put that man in everything. Yeah, uh, I can't I'll remember what year that was. I want to say it was in nineteen. Uh, 40s, I want to say. Sure. 
Uh, but then we transitioned. I mean, that's when the Nazis were around, yeah. so I'm guessing. Uh, well, they still are around. They never technically went away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we don't talk yeah. about that anymore. Uh, then we transitioned to 1988, California. Uh, yeah, my boy Brendan Fraser. Yeah, and we get introduced to Cliff Steele, uh, yeah. played by Brendan Fraser. Which, what a name, right? Like, if you, Alex, you've got a son on the way. Will you name him Cliff Steele? Like, just your wife might not know who that is. I think it's perfect. I think I'm going to go with Max Power. Oh, uh, big McLarge, huge. <laughs> a great name too. Yep, all, yeah. all great sound names. Uh, I think Talladega Nights would have been much better with Brendan Fraser. Uh, I agree, hundred percent. And in all roles, just uh, yeah. let him play everyone. Uh, but basically, he lives in a mansion. He's uh. In the guest, in the nanny's guest quarters, banging the nanny. Wife, wife's looking for him because the daughter's upset. Oh, yeah, first thing, uh, I was wildly shocked that there are titties in this film. Yeah, there is nudity and and f bombs throughout it too. So yeah. I mean, it's they're not pulling their punches at all. Yeah, the or only don't... thing that's missing is some full on penetration, which <laughs> maybe we'll get in episode two. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. I thought it was a nice way to introduce us to like what I I think Cliff is is the heart of the series uh, right now, and we get to, get to see him basically being a douchebag. Um, we see the problems with his wife, and then we transition to him in a race. Uh, and as he's driving around the track, he looks over and sees his wife uh, speaking to the headphone of his pit captain, uh, talking about how they're sleeping together, and causes him to freak out and cause a car wreck, and then he dies. Yep. Uh, just kidding though, because it turns out. Also, spoilers for Doom oh, Patrol episode one. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Oh, yeah. And also, too, just for clarity, we're only talking about episode one because DC only releases one episode at a time for their hour long shows as of right now. Which uh, means our episode's going to end in roughly three minutes. Yeah. Uh, episode two will be out by the time this episode releases, though, on the same day. Oh, does it come out on Friday? Yeah, every Friday. Dope. We're going to watch the shit out of that episode. I don't usually watch follow up. And I know that we should, I usually say this stuff for the end, mm-hmm. but I can't hold it in. I absolutely love this show. Yeah, I was really bummed that like, I just couldn't watch another episode like right away or the next day. Yeah. yeah. Same as But we'll get to that uh, later. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be my first thing in a while that I don't rank a seven. So spoiler <laughs> alert for the end of the podcast too. Uh, we also get, uh, basically we cut to, um, we see our first appearance of Niles Calder, played by Timothy Dalton, and we see him through the eyes of what looks like a uh, like a lens scope or a view scope. I really liked that shot too because it yeah. was like kind of dirty. Um, the cinematography on that scene was fantastic. Yeah, it was really good. And Timothy Dalton's performance, I think, is fantastic. Like not to use the same word you, you just used, but fantastic. Like he he brings a lot of gravitas to the role, and like you really buy his character. I feel like. Absolutely. Uh, now we're going to talk about James Bond for 35 minutes. <laughs> so if you have a problem with that, you can turn it off. Uh, Timothy Dalton is James Bond, baby. Is he your favorite James Bond? I've never is- seen a single Timothy Dalton James Bond. How many different James Bonds have you seen? Uh, Pierce Brosnan. One. And uh, what's his face? Daniel Craig. Ooh. Yeah. The most recent. boy. Yeah. That's yeah. sad. Anywho, uh, your father clearly did not love you as a child. Moving on. Uh, Timothy Dalton is great in this role. He's old now. He's really old now. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's how uh, aging works. Yeah, it yeah. looks like he's got polio. Well, I don't know if he, <laughs> it looks like he has polio, but... I mean, he's weird. in a wheelchair. He's got the blanket covering his legs. 
It's a weird interpretation. I think you really were not paying enough attention uh, to the New Deal. You only focus on one thing about FDR. Oh, shit. All right. I need to go research some history, and Alex is going to keep talking about this show. Um, there's also a great moment, too. Uh, as Matt and I are big fans of soundtracks and shows and movies, uh, we hear Fox on the Run, uh, which I loved hearing by the band Sweet, which is also featured in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, as well. So even though we've heard it elsewhere on Superior Show, it's a great song and it had great plays. But essentially, what we learn is that Calder builds uh, Cliff Steele a body and he's only a brain. But the big twist is that it is now 1995. Uh, and it's Seven years, years after yeah. the car accident in which he uh, believes that he died in. Yeah. Whoa, there's some stuff coming your way, people. Uh, and we also learn that uh, also at the house of the mansion that they live in, is Rita Farr, who is an old actress uh, from the 1950s. Uh, Remind 40s. me a bit of Rita Hayworth. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure they. I'm sure that was some of the inspiration as well. Uh, and nope, her mannerisms. Incorrect. Uh, uh, April Bowlby, I believe, was the actress's name. Uh, she did a fantastic performance as acting like the character, not like exaggerated, but someone who was straight out of that era. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then we kind of get into, oh, so what do you think about her backstory? I thought it was great. I mean, because like we learn aside really from like Larry, uh, the backstories that we got in this episode that all of them kind of have, all of them were just kind of jerks and just awful people, uh, whenever they were their normal, uh, pre doom patrol selves. So hers was gruesome and it felt, I mean, justified. I mean, it had obviously like some poetic irony there uh with the how, gorgeous woman who yeah. turns into a blob monster yeah, yeah an amorphous blob that she can't control yeah yeah pretty nice I especially like too with her firing the one-armed uh dp on her shoot as well yeah because it grossed her out so i mean ew gross people with one arm like get them out of here right i mean i relate to that okay well uh that's a purely a matt stance <laughs> Uh, that's not a stance that I have anymore. I'm very yeah. sorry. So you were finally, you're like, finally Rita is speaking for me. <laughs> finally, I have a voice somewhere. There's someone else like me out here. It's so nice to finally see. Uh, and then in a kind of similar way uh, to the way that Rita goes down, she kind of falls into a lake and has this uh, weird mystic energy fly right into her mouth hole. As we all do whenever you're shooting a film in Africa. Yeah, absolutely. Tales all the time. Larry, a.k.a. Um, Mr. Negative. Mr. Negative goes into space uh, as a sweet-ass fighter pilot. Yeah, he's played by Matt Bomber, who does a fantastic job. They said like he was basically a god during his time. Because essentially, like he would have been. He would, in the 1950s, uh, 60s, uh, flying a test rocket that goes into outer space. Yeah, uh, total hunk. Yeah. And you know what happens to him? Mystic energy right into his mouth yeah. hole. And then there's a plane crash. Yep. And he's let arrived. me just say real quick that there's way too many mystic energies flying into people's <laughs> mouths. Some pervert ass mystic energy out I there. I think that fits right in, in vain with Doom Patrol. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just disgusting and weird. Uh, beautiful. So whose backstory did you like the most out of the three that we got? Um, I like Brendan Fraser's because I fucking a I fucking love Brendan Fraser. I grew up on that mummy shit, bro. Um, and seeing him in this like old drunk asshole cheater role was super weird and just super fitting for the for the story. And then like it kind of comes full circle and he 
becomes like an apologetic person. He like really wants to change and get better. And then he fucking dies. Yeah, I thought I thought Larry's at first was the most interesting, especially because like we didn't mention, but Larry uh, was sleeping with uh, someone that he worked with, a guy on the Air Force Base. Despite having uh, a wife and two kids. kids. So he was bisexual, which also represents a lot of the duality of Mr. Negative. So it fits in to further storylines with him, uh, most likely. Uh, so, and, that, and that was like a brief clip, but it was, I thought it was a powerful moment as well because we see that he tied the uh, scar for the rag that the guy had uh, in his pocket whenever he was flying in space. So he did care for him uh, in, in a certain way and most likely loved him as well, too. So I thought that was really interesting. But he also seemed to love his wife and kids. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it, which is kind of interesting for the new Doom Patrol, too, because they, they kind of hint that uh, Larry's possibly trans, uh, if I'm not mistaken, which I thought was super, super fucking cool. Like you don't have a lot of that in, in comics and to have that representation was really neat. And the, and I mean, it's just super fitting for yeah. the character. Too. I, I think the closest that they've seen in like other like films is like a two spirits character that you've seen, uh, that are in like, you see in like certain films, like native characters and things like that. So yeah. That's probably the closest. Uh, but I did really enjoy the comeuppance of, of Rita's character after being just, yeah. A total dick just to bite it super hard and turn to a blob in front of everybody. But I think the most powerful moment in this episode, and I don't know if you agree, but uh, Cliff's memories uh, are gone. He slowly remembers them. And then he remembers that he didn't actually die in that car crash on the racetrack. He and his wife split up uh, or they separated, I should say. He went on a bender uh, with the nanny. uh, But then he realized that he was just a jerk and screwing everything up. And so he went here to get his wife and kid. And they were reconciled and they were on their way to get pancakes middle of life. And then Cliff ran into another car, uh, killing his wife and kid. And his yeah. brain sort of just blocks all this out. Kind of like, uh, it responded to a, a need for relief and recovery from a great depression, much like FDR's new deal, baby. Well, I'm proud of you, uh, for having a, an interpretation of, of the new deal. Yeah. Uh, uh I mean, it's mine and Wikipedia's alike. I think I'm the one that entered that, but who knows? Uh, I'm, ver- I'm very proud of you. Uh, I'm glad that you're always learning. You always should. But I think what this led to was Cliff had made all his progress, and then he just goes into an empty room and just stares out a window. For fucking years. years not moving, uh, because that just, just sunk him into an unalienable depression. Have you unalienable. ever stared out the window for seconds, much less yeah. minutes, and you're just like, oh my yeah, god, I thought, like that, that was a heartbreaking moment. And like they showed like each year, like they showed like 99, 2000, 2001, because the showrunner wanted you to get that passage of time and not just do like a quick montage of like, it's 95, now 2009. And there was a really touching moment where Larry brought in uh, a little like motorized wheel track uh, for Cliff, and you see him over the last few years set it up as he tries to rebuild his life and start his life again. I mean, he's just kind of sitting on that in that window, like a blister on the, on a sun, uh, like that famous song about that blister on that guy's kid. Uh, yeah. You are talking about Brown sugar by the Rolling Stones. That's probably the one. Yeah. Uh, and then we get shortly after Larry starts to get better. We get introduced to crazy Jane. Uh, she but, per- don't get offended because Al, uh, she actually prefers the term crazy Jane. <laughs> she actually corrects somebody when they call her Jane. She's like, no, crazy Jane. Uh, she played by D- Diane Guerrero, probably most well known as Maritza from Orange is the New Black. Uh, but I thought she was great in this role. Uh, and crazy Jane has a very uh, loud entrance, I would say. Uh, very impactful. Yeah, she's got, what, 30 different personalities? I think you said I 48, I want to say. Oh, could uh, be right. I'm probably uh, right, but you might be right, too. But uh, Cliff and Jane have an altercation, and then eventually they bond. 
Uh, the professor has to leave town uh, or, or leaves the mansion. And so they all decide to go on a trip into town pushed by Crazy Jane. Uh, hijinks ensue. It backfires for everyone. Yeah, every uh, person involved has a negative experience. Which weird, a guy with a bunch of bandages wrapped yeah. around his head, a lady that turns into a blob, and literally a, a giant robot, robot. Yeah. and a woman just smoking pot out in the open who's got uh, multiple personalities. Things yeah. don't go well. It's weird, right? Uh, but essentially... Who could have guessed? It goes... Uh, uh, it all just goes tits up, and they have to leave, and it's all over the news. The professor sees it, he's furious, but then the town is going to be destroyed because he sees a goat. On the street. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely baffling. And then uh, this is when the professor comes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Niles called her. And so does uh, Mr. Nobody. Yeah. Makes well, a reappearance. But they, the professor convinces them to all leave town, except for Cliff, who's going to go try and save the town on his own. And they all decide, as they're driving away, to try and help Cliff save the town. And they're all standing in the middle of the street. And the goat walks in front of them, and then the goat farts, and the goat farts, and his gas is visible, spreads into the air, and it spells the or writes the phrase "the mind is the limit," uh, which in fart, yeah, and which is absurd. And I thought just absolutely perfect for this show. Yep, <laughs> nothing but Doom Patrol could end a show with a ghost farting words, uh, followed ghost, by goat. A goat, sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Followed by a but massive... Doom Patrol could also pull off a ghost doing it, too. Yeah, oh, they absolutely could. Followed by a massive sinkhole just constantly widening in the middle of the street, starting to envelop the town. Uh, yeah, and that's... And then we do get to Mr. Nobody, uh, Morden, appears uh, confronting Niles Calder in the bus, and I thought the character design for him was great. Uh, if You see all this negative space. You see hints of just parts of Alan Tudyk's face. And different parts of his body, and you get you you immediately get a sense of how powerful he is too, because he's the one that opens that giant sinkhole, uh, just simply by thinking it into existence. Yeah, he's absolutely my favorite Doom Patrol villain. I don't know about you, uh, from the Grant Morrison run. Yeah, yeah, he's obviously I agree. That fucking stands out. Yeah, Mister um, Nobody is th- that storyline is my favorite storyline too. I think. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Like the first what, like two trades or so. Yeah, where he's just. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. If you if you haven't read Grant Morrison's uh, Doom Patrol, I cannot recommend it highly enough. And go watch the show. I enjoyed it. Did yeah. you like it? Did you like it, pal? Did you like it, buddy? Yeah, I think we'll get to a rating here in a second. But what what are you hoping for uh, with the rest of the series? I hope it gets weirder. I hope it gets uh, freakier. I hope it gets grosser. It was already all of those things. Just amplify it. Give me a lot of Mister Nobody, and you know, give me a great cliffhanger at the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I like all the characters. Obviously, I want more of... I want Crazy Jane's backstory, because we didn't get that, at least how the show interprets yeah. it. Uh, I'm hoping that my favorite character in the Doom Patrol comics appears somewhere down the line this first season, uh, who hasn't appeared yet. Uh, we will get, we'll be getting Cyborg later, uh, who's not a member of the Doom Patrol in the comics, but I think it's fine. They're going to have him on there, and then probably move him over to Titans uh, before season two of Doom Patrol, which I assume this will get renewed. Uh, because uh, the reviews have been great for this show, so better than Titans, and Titans got good reviews. Yeah. So, and like you said, like uh, I just want more weirdness, not like weirdness for the sake of being weird, but weirdness that's still fun and still follows the story and just strengthens uh, the characters' resolve and helps them grow as well too. And I'm really, if you've read the comics, uh, I'm really excited to see what they do with Larry down the line too. 
Oh, I am. I am absolutely as well. Larry is an extremely powerful being, and I think we're really going to see a lot of that here pretty soon. Um, I would also like a character from Gerard Way's uh, Danny, uh, who is an absolutely incredible, weird person too. There's just a bunch of people that I want to see from Gerard Way's run that aren't in Grant Morrison's. Uh, so what do you rate this on a scale of one to ten? Hmm. I think I'm gonna have to give it a solid eight and a half. I really, really enjoyed this. Yeah, I will give it uh, an eight. Like I, I thought it was great. Uh, I probably would have been higher if, if I could have just watched more like right away. But I think for a pilot, it's incredibly strong. Uh, and it's not like, and even though we like all super all superhero stuff out there, it is something different, something unique that you don't see uh, every day. It's gonna, it's going to guaranteed be in. Uh, I want to say, I don't want to, you know, speak for you or anything, but I'm pretty sure I, I can in this regard. I think it's going to be in both of our top tens at the end of the year. Yeah, I imagine, Joe. Uh, so, so far, I mean, it's already been, I would say, a strong year for uh, TV shows, for superhero shows. Well, season two of The Punisher, Doom Patrol. Yeah. And then when we, in two weeks, we get to Umbrella Academy. Uh, so we've, we're off to a good start. So I think it's going to be a competitive year too. Yeah, Umbrella Academy has some some solid reviews. We'll obviously talk about that in a couple of weeks after... We usually talk about them three weeks down the line, uh, but I think we both watched the first episode. I've watched a few episodes, and I can already say that we both really enjoy that too. So great TV out so far this year. But next week, we are going to be talking about the number ones for the month of February. Yep. Uh, so I think that's actually going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Uh, as always, you can email us at henchmanofcomics at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and the good old Instagram. We post all kinds of good stuff on there. And give us a like and subscribe and download all that good shit. Leave us a review on whatever. Who cares? On a bathroom wall. Yeah. yeah. For a good time, call the Henchman of Comics. <laughs> for the Henchman of Comics, I'm Alex Eshback. I'm FDR. Henchman ain't easy. <laughs> <laughs>